Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Jason. And I'm Gina. And this week we're talking about Phantom Thread, the new film by Paul Thomas Anderson starring Daniel Day-Lewis. And uh, as can be predicted um, by the names Paul Thomas Anderson and Daniel Day-Lewis, this film is, uh, wow, it's really lighting up the uh, Oscar scoreboards there. And uh, (laughs) I think, can I just say that uh, we are very much not going to do any sort of Oscars show because um, it's bullshit. we basically don't care. Um, yeah, I, I this, is it, this is nominated for an Oscar. What else is nominated for an Oscar? Have you been paying uh, attention? A bit. I mean, okay, so the, the for the best films, we've got things such as uh, this film, uh, Get Out, uh, Lady Bird, um, Dunkirk, and then, uh, God, I'm sure there's some other dour films and oh the post the post okay well you're you're very clever what was nominated last year uh last year it was um you know the one with the uh guy recovering from a uh brain aneurysm in 1920s i don't know i have no idea i don't remember any of the films nominated i just I, i didn't even remember what film won uh moonlight completely left my memory yeah. Um, which was the, I, I the think, winner. We had to look it up. Is, this, is a good, this is a good point. Um, so every year I feel like this this happens, that everyone gets really obsessed with the Oscars. And people start talking about it like, you know, they're... Like it's your team. It's a team, yeah. I'm team like, Dunkirk. You know, team Dunkirk, your team, Birdman, whenever that was team, Team Revenant. Um, it's <laughs> team, a big deal. There's all this Leo. discussion about like who's going to win and who deserves to win and why this is going to win. And then afterwards, it's like, why this really won, you know? Yeah, um, yeah I agree. I love how they frame it like... Just, yeah, like two yeah. months later. I love how they frame it like, yeah, who will win and who deserves to win, like immediately, as if there's always like a recognition that the award show is such a sham from the, from the get-go. <laughs> but I think the problem is that, it, you know, people think that it's really important to win for a film to win an Oscar because it's a good film. And I remember, in fact, like Peter Bradshaw, the reviewer who when Boyhood was nominated, um, was so convinced it was going to win and was writing about how it was going to win and then was so crestfallen when it lost. Yeah, he had to get that Boyhood tattoo removed. And I think this is kind of like symptomatic of of our reaction to the Oscars that it's like, well, obviously like the best film is going to win the Oscar. Whereas maybe like the Oscars is just not that important because it's a bunch of industry people, um, you know, essentially just ticking a ballot and maybe it doesn't really have anything to do with the technical and artistic quality of a film so much as with its socio-political context and what films we should be promoting now. Not to say that, like, all Oscar-winning films are bad and not to say that it's not, like, great for a film, you know, that's really good, maybe wasn't seen by many people to be recognised with an Oscar. Like, that's all good stuff and I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to put that down, but... I just, like, wish we would not see this as, like, the the greatest kind of affirmation of a good film. Yeah, I mean, it's like, because like, the question of what is the best film is already so thorny. I mean, and it is like, yeah, what is the best film as perceived by this Academy structure who you really don't know anybody who's in the Academy. It's kind of opaque. Um, who knows how they judge it? It does quite seem like they are kind of writing the this award show as if it is a film where they have different uh, characters and different foils <laughs> taking part and there's some oh, drama. Yeah. Will it be the old guard or will it be the newcomer who yeah. wins? Like standard plot arcs and uh, and it's a big spectacle. 
And yeah, I think it would be so much nicer and different if <laughs> I don't know if, if there if there was no award show, frankly. Because I mean, do these people really need? Another award show. I mean, their entire life is an award show. Some people would say that this is the main award show. This is the only award show that counts. I I would not agree with those people. I don't think this this matters. I don't think any award show counts. (laughs) (laughs) I yeah. I just I refuse to pay attention this year. I I don't care. We're just like gonna review films. And yeah. And speaking of reviewing films, uh, God, we need to stop. Uh, getting off on this tangent Um, we're actually going to review the film time to review the film now cue the music okay so blood pressure returned to normal i think um phantom thread is a film that centers around uh reynolds woodcock played by daniel day lewis who is a high fashion dressmaker living in england in the 1950s his obsession with work over the years has landed him the accolades and business of royalty around the world yet has seemingly prevented him from having a meaningful relationship with anybody other than his sister cyril who is also his business partner This all changes when he meets Alma, a waitress at a restaurant in the country. The film uh, follows their tumultuous and at times unconventional relationship, which is really more of a power struggle, um, which ultimately reaches a bit of an offbeat equilibrium at the film's conclusion. Um, So Gina, this film really centers around, um, you know, this relationship between the two main characters. And um, I don't know, how how believable do you think that that relationship was as portrayed in the film? Oh, I think it was really believable. Um, I mean, it's interesting that like the, because of the current climate, you know, the word feminism has obviously like come up around this film um, with some people, I suppose, saying it's anti-feminist. Toxic masculinity. Toxic masculinity. um, Vicky Creeps, the the main um, actress in it, uh, coming, you know, also sort of like giving an interview saying, oh, no, it's very feminist because it's about a woman kind of, you know, following her heart and, and doing what she wants. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I think that that whole debate is kind of not really necessary for this film. Um, I think it, it portrays that relationship very honestly. And I want to say like very kind of unflinchingly because I think it is kind of difficult to, um, portray a relationship that maybe a lot of people wouldn't agree with or would say is, you know, unbalanced or Mm -hmm. there's an unbalance of power. And I think it does kind of take a bit of courage to portray that um still with with a kind of tenderness and mm-hmm. maybe understanding that you want to put into a love story um and i think this this film definitely did that you know you can kind of really see why these people are into each other and why maybe you know they belong together um and it is also very much you know about their changing relationship which I, I thought was really nice you know it's not kind of i think a lot of love stories we see they're about um people fall in love it's like frozen in time it's frozen in time yeah and then like something happens to kind of come between them and then they have to overcome that and this really wasn't like that this was much more about well it's a difficult relationship from the start and how do they change to achieve some kind of equilibrium and i thought that was very very realistic you know yeah yeah, I felt that I agree with the you called it like kind of a tender portrayal. Um, and uh, I felt it was very sympathetic 
Uh, definitely is, you know, an atypical relationship, um, but maybe not as atypical as uh, it, may, it may seem. Um, I think because it really does go into, yeah, these two people who know each other pretty well. Um, or maybe it's possible that the uh, Alma knows uh, Reynolds much better than uh, he knows anything. Um <laughs> But yeah, I did like how, because, you know, it starts off um, when they meet, actually, it does have this very uh, power dynamic, like sort of psychosexual or just plain up sexual um, uh, dominance aspect. Well, to on, it. Their, on their first date, he basically dresses her down to her, her shift and measures her for a dress. Yeah, with his sister in make the room. Her with his sister in the room. Yeah, very, very odd first date. Yeah, indeed. Um but then over time, yeah, she kind of <laughs> gains some power over him because, she, uh, you know, it is kind of like a nice portrayal of it, it, almost like an old married couple. Um, they do eventually get married. But even before then, like she sort of knows how to push his buttons, I guess. She knows all of his idiosyncrasies and all of this, his things that really drive him up the wall. And uh, she kind of uses that in a in a weird way to kind of she's not really um, completely uh beholden to all of his whims and isn't uh, as much of a passive um a passive element in the relationship that so often is portrayed in a film between like a, a man of this in this power level mm. and so i did think it was uh yeah it, it was really nice that they managed to bring her up and give her what ultimately I think was a lot of power in that relationship and it was a give and the take uh and sacrifices made on on both sides, I think. Um, so ultimately, I thought it was actually a pretty sweet relationship in the end, hmm. uh, which maybe is controversial. But <laughs> um, do you think? I mean, it was a very beautiful film. I think we, we both kind of remarked um, after we saw it. You know how just just visually engaging and, and gorgeous it was. I mean, apart from that visual aspect that I suppose um, creating a period film allows you to do, which is to, you know, get really kind of into the the clothes. And I mean, obviously it goes because the film about clothes, but also, you know, the interiors, um, the appearance of it. Do you think there was any other real reason to set this film in the 50s? Um, I think that I'm not sure because it does seem like that was maybe one of like the last times when this profession and this like way of life where it is kind of this throwback to, you know, the old big houses where he, he sort of, you know, the women who work for him almost seem like they're like his waitstaff, but they aren't because he, he kind of has this lordly vibe. Mm. And it's maybe it's possible that that is a little bit harder to sell in like the sort of modern era. Mm. Um, also, maybe uh, it makes the context of their relationship um, make a bit more sense. Um, because, uh, yeah. Would it I'd, be too controversial, do you think, to set a relationship like that in the present day? I think probably it would. Yeah. I think it wouldn't It wouldn't fly as well. Yeah. Mm. Um, it is also, I think his character is partly meant to be based on Cristobal Balenciaga, who was a, a very famous couturier mm. during that time. Um, so, and that, yeah, maybe that, that also kind of has a bit to yeah. do with it. But I, I, couldn't, I couldn't help shaking the feeling that there was – some unexplained reason why um, PTA had decided to 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 write this film when he did because he did write the the screenplay yeah. himself. It wasn't an adaptation of anything. I can imagine that it is very much about like he 
for un- unexplained reasons, um, sort of a- attached to a certain visual and uh, performative aesthetic that would have worked best in this setting, in this context. So it could have been just that, like he just wanted to make a film um, with this kind of fashion and this kind of pace and that this just sort of was the best choice. I don't know. Um, but I did think that it actually, it, it, it worked pretty well. Um, there were times when I felt that it actually wasn't in the fifties, that it, it seemed like so uh, antiquated in what way, mostly because of they're making these dresses for these uh, countesses and things. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think it was, uh, yeah, I think it worked pretty well. I didn't actually like the dresses that much. I have to say, I that part also kind of uh, threw me a little. Yeah, I, I, like, would have, I would have, I would have liked to have to, liked the dresses yeah. more. You would not have said yes to those dresses. <laughs> no, <laughs> probably not. Not at that price tag. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I I really love this film. I thought it was definitely you know one of the the films of the year potentially. Um, it was also, you know, it definitely had a Daniel Day-Lewis vibe. You know, it was a very seriously acted film. Mm-hmm. Um, did did that seem natural to you? Like, did did the the acting, um, did it seem overacted? Yeah, I was really actually expecting it to bother me. Because um, I think that the, maybe I just saw like a few trailers for the film and it, and it kind of made it seem like it was much more about this larger than life fashion designer guy, like almost like Devil Wears Prada, but... It's this kind of like foppish dude <laughs> dressmaker. Um, of course, the other great fashion film of yes, our time. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but actually, I, I was pleasantly surprised because it is, uh, it's quite restrained. And uh, I was able to appreciate the fact that Daniel Day-Lewis really is very good at communicating things without saying them. Um, and that's something that I just maybe I haven't seen many films recently where so much of the dynamics between characters were played out completely non-verbally and uh that was really nice because it it, i think other people have mentioned that this film feels quite claustrophobic at times um i think like in a good way because it kind of builds this tension and i think a lot of that has to do with the choice to basically make them not talk very much or there's always these things that are taking up the room um that are not being said and Eventually, you know, you have these moments where they really come to blows and these tensions get released. And uh, I thought that worked very well. And it kind of was helped along by the fact that, you know, frankly, both uh, Vicky Creeps and uh, Daniel Day-Lewis are, were really good at, you know, portraying their emotions and motivations and psychologies in that way on their face. And apparently, I, I don't know how true this is, but I, I did read somewhere about the film that um, DDL had kind of insisted on them not really working together at all before they started filming. So they, they had almost no contact yeah. to kind of... Typical method. Acting. Yeah, very, very much method. But, I mean, it, it seemed to work. I mean, mm-hmm. they really, they looked great on screen together. I'm sure he probably insisted, like, the first time that I see Vicky is going to be in that restaurant scene. That probably literally was the first time yeah, I met. Probably. And it was a great scene. Apparently the the stumble was completely um was unplanned. Really? Yeah. It oh. just happened. She just stumbled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean if you see the film you'll you'll know the scene that we're talking about. Yeah, probably PTA put like a little loose board on the ground <laughs> or something. <laughs> I'm going to get the most out of my actors. Yes. And he does. Yeah. He's so good at it. Um, well, maybe we should, uh, wrap it up there. Yeah. 
Um, and next and week we'll be discussing another film that may be nominated for an Oscar and yeah, may not be. Who knows? Who knows? We'll see, but we're, we're definitely not, not going to talk about it. Definitely no. not. Nope. Yep. Nope. Well, see you next time. Thanks for listening.